Well, it's the Sunday before Election Day, and it was a gorgeous day, Alan. It was. It was a gorgeous day. So Alan and I have been friends these 20 years, and we talk about 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Sometimes we'll skip a day, and so we'll catch an hour. (laughs) And we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about our families, our dogs, our church, our God. We talk about our country a lot. And so today, in light of Election Day, I just asked Alan to come join me down here at the seawall so we could talk about... The values that we're going to choose to help guide us choose uh, candidates to vote for this week. I'm wearing my Patriot shirt, 1776, because that is such an important part of my passions. I I don't know how it got started, but I love America, and I'm unabashedly pro-American. I love uh, so many things about us, and, and warts and all. I love the warts. I don't dislike my wife because she does something wrong. She was late for church again today, uh, but I, I, you know, oh well. <laughs> separate vehicles. Part separate of life, vehicles. you know, part of life. I'm not going to, like, not love her because there's something that I would do better, and I love America. Alan, we talk so much about the core of American values, and we were just off camera talking about that, and I just wish I'd caught it because you yeah. were so eloquently describing what it is about America that's unique and why it's the bastion of freedom around the whole world. I, I really believe that. I, I love the story of Winston Churchill and uh, Roosevelt and, mm. and their relationship and and how it changed the course of history that, you know, when you look at that, if it was not for our capitalist industrial economy that was able to ramp up and attack tyranny, Europe would have fallen. We were the last hope. And it just gives me so much pride to think that that started way before even the Revolutionary War that, you know, John Locke, I mean, that people in America, we've lost our history. It's not just the history of America. It's the history before America. It was the idea that men were created equal. Something that before America and before John Locke and many of the the thinkers around that time, people didn't see that. You were believed to be less because you were not of the ruling class. You were not a monarchy. You were a subject and you were their property. Regardless of where you lived, your skin color, anything, you belonged to the people that owned the land. And the thoughts that started America, that the idea that we were created equal, you know, not that we all end up equal, but we're created equal, you know, and I love this country. You know, you know, I grew up as a poor person. I know poor, like a lot of people say they're poor and I grew up poor. No, you know, the fact that you grew up poor and you didn't have a new car or you didn't have the cool car, that's not poor. That's just your parents didn't have as much money as somebody else. I know what it's like to be poor, you know, to be evicted from a house, to not know where I'm going to live tomorrow. But the thing that I found that is just so great about this country is, is that me, a poor person, with, I did not even have a high school education. I got a GED, you know, and then was able to go on and do so much. I was able to make a lot of money and spend a lot of money. Now, kids, say more. <laughs> say more. <laughs> but I really, it, it amazes me that a kid that grew up with so little, sometimes when I'm sitting there working in my shop, and I'm looking at the tools I have. I just can't imagine my dad if he had access to that stuff. But I do because he gave me a work ethic and just and made me believe that because I started poor didn't mean I had to stay poor. Because right. I live in a country that allows me to move up out of the class that I started in. And that does not exist in the whole world. 
You know, when you look at the whole world and you look at how few countries have a middle class and have the opportunity to move out of the class that they started in, that is not something that exists in most of the world. That is very unique to a small number of countries. And America is the country that still leads mm. the whole world. The whole world is following what we do and we cannot forsake what was started before the Revolutionary War. You know, and I personally, and I know part of this video was we decided to not be afraid to say who we're going to vote for. And um, before 2016, I wasn't necessarily a Trump fan as far as his personality. I was always somebody that found him a little bit offensive, you know, as far as just who he was. But, and, and I even challenged Paul when Paul and I were talking about it. I said, you know, I, 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 at first I wasn't sure, but then the more... I looked into what he was saying and what he believed and what he had done in life. I said, you know, at the core, he understands the value of our republic. And that I feel like he did a great job of respecting our republic. Not perfect, but a great job of respecting our republic, giving more power back to the people, taking it away from the, you know, the federal government. The bureaucracy, reducing the, regulation. Oh, it, you know, that... And that's what America's about. America is not about who sits in the White House. It's not about who's in Congress, who's in Senate. It's about the people. You know, and when I hear one candidate, Biden, telling a union worker, I don't work for you. He doesn't understand who he works for. You know, and I want to I want to know that the person that's there understands that he may not know exactly where I'm coming from. He's obviously never been poor. But he understands that I don't want to stay poor and that I should have the opportunity not to be poor. I don't want to have to live by somebody else's rules and they dictate because I started behind it like that. That's where I stay. And that's what when you look at other systems, that's what the rest of the world is heading towards. And we've got to be the leaders that say that's not who we are. That's, that's not, not how that is. Freedom is better. Freedom is better. Yes. How do you win? against a Hitler, against tyranny, when you cannot ramp up and be ready to step up and answer the call. What if America had not been there? Where would we be today? We're standing in front of the 9-11 Memorial. The iron behind us is from the Twin Towers, which are symbols of commerce, right? Symbols of uh, the greatest city in the world, New York, and it became the greatest target for people who oppose America, who hated it, who for uh, Osama bin Laden and his crew, and they uh, they sought to take us down because they don't want people to be free, at least in our version. And America stepped up, right? We are not stymied by challenges because we have a history of overcoming them and rising. That's the people, not just the central uh, bu uh, bureaucracy, right? Having a system and, and offices and, and back offs, that's all good. But that doesn't drive the train. The people drive the train, right? When we respond, it was America's industrial might that's so easy. They built one of those uh, freighters in a day and a half. Day and a, half. a day and a half. I went to the World War II Museum and this what, 400, 600 foot freighter that moved all these goods that Americans built across the world and won two world wars in just three and a half years. They built a ship in 
a day and a half. Are you kidding me? Now, if you put enough bureaucracy.gov on there, oh, it might take a little longer, right? <laughs> they built the Empire State Building in what, 16 months or 16 something like? Months. Wow. Now, the, so these these symbols right here, this is sunset on our beautiful lake. We have such a great lake here. Uh, these symbols remind me of the strength of America. I've been listening to patriotic songs and listening to Toby Keith's song about uh, brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue, thinking about the 9-11 memorial. Uh, just made me proud to be an American. And uh, Not that we want wars. We want peace, man. We want peace and, and tranquility, right? That's what it says in the, uh, in the founding documents, right? We're here to peace, domestic tranquility, and that's that's what we want. I, I was just thinking about the things that were going to help me, inform me on how I wanted to vote and, and what I see going on in our country some. And I, I thought about three topics, Alan, and I, they're not as, as eloquent as yours. Uh, but the first one is that I, I think at very best our news media folks, I'm quivering, I'm holding this camera now, so it's nine minutes in, I'm going to get a little bit tired. Our news media, at best, that they're, they're kidding themselves. They're, they're, they're kidding themselves. Uh, I have an agenda, right? I am not an unbiased person. I have desires and hopes and, and opinions. And so it would be silly for me to say I'm a blank slate and I, my opinion doesn't matter as I, if I were going to report the news. And uh, that would be silly. It would be obvious to everyone that I have opinions and I, I have a perspective. And that's okay. I should embrace that and go forward. Our friends who run the news media, fellow Americans, right, in places like New York, uh, they are... Um, they're not objective, right? They have surrounded themselves with people who agree with themselves. If you'll go do a quick Google search, go to the New York Times website and look up the Trump-Hillary vote for 2016, 2016 presidential election. It gives you an electoral map uh, of every precinct in the America, I think. And you can just look over it and you can just see the election results by percentage in every city, in every precinct. You go to Manhattan and it's it's 90-something percent Hillary, right? Go to Brooklyn. It's 98 percent Hillary. Uh, go, to, go to city centers, right? Well, Washington, D.C. And, and Los Angeles, these centers where the media and the, the Silicon Valley types and the, and the entertainment world. I, good for them, man. You have your opinions. But, but don't say that you're objective. And don't say that because you surrounded yourself with someone who's black and someone who's white, someone who's... Uh, European descent, someone's African descent, someone's from Asian descent, and everyone has the same political philosophy that that equals diversity. Diversity of skin color is not diversity of opinion, and the news media folks, at best, they are kidding themselves. And at worst, they're just flat out, uh, should, be, should be called, their spending should be called political donations to the Democrat Party, right? They, you couldn't write CNN stories uh, better if you were working for the, the Biden campaign, in my opinion. This really came to light when I went to New York City after Trump was elected. We went, I took my wife on a birthday visit so between Election Day and Inauguration Day, and we got the New York Times at our at our hotel every every morning, and I read the front page, and every story, man, the, the political ones, the non-political ones, every story had a bash at Trump. And I just thought, at the first day, I thought, this is what a fluke. Every story had something bad to say about Trump. And then I looked, every day was the same. I just started paying attention. I, I, there, one day there was a man in Milwaukee who's a black fella, Trump supporter, and he was murdered on his front porch. I should have memorized his name. And it was just heartbreaking, right? Heartbreaking. And so I go and, and I, I, look, I look at CNN, and they didn't have a reference to the story. I, looked, I print screened. I looked, went to the New York Times, no reference to the story. It's a black man in his 60s 
murdered on his front porch a few months ago, right? Trump's, Trump signs on his front porch, murdered in the middle of the day. CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Los Angeles Times, nothing. Fox News had it. That's it. The news media, at best, they're kidding themselves, and at worst, that they're just outright political operatives. So that's bad. Second one is that when I, um, I think I referenced this ever so briefly, every time I meet, I, I was with a guy this week who owns a substantial business. Uh, he, he travels about the, our country and other countries, has some means, really successful. And he's from India. And he immigrated here 30 years ago. And he was talking to this reporter who was doing work about our um, Hurricane Laura recovery. And he was just so unabashedly pro-American. This is the beacon of freedom around the world. He had no reserves. He wasn't worried that he was going to be judged as a white fella and, and you know called names or something. He just he just happy. America's great. People want to come here from all around the world. It was so so great to just hear him say that. You know that people from all around the world. From he he travels around the world and around the country, and it's just unabashedly pro-American. American is the beacon of freedom. It started uh, the ideas in England and John Locke and, and these ideas that we didn't belong to the king, that we belong. We were free agents made with rights from God. Our rights derive from God and governments are instituted among men to protect those God-given rights. Government doesn't grant us rights. Government protects the rights that God granted us. So government can't take them away. The First Amendment, right? Congress shall make no law uh, respecting an establishment of, of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, nor abridging the freedom of speech, nor of the press, nor of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and redress to address their government, petition their government for a redress of grievances. That comes from God, not from the federal government, not from the Bill of Rights even. Amendment 2, Congress, uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That right comes from God, the right to self-defense, not from men. Men can, men instituted a government to protect our God-given right, to protect one another. And why is that important? Because we help our neighbors. That's why we're a good people and help our neighbors. Have we had flaws in the past? You betcha. Uh, the big one in the room, slavery, terrible. Who, who's in favor of slavery? Zero, man. We we use these rights to do good. And if good needs to come around, another version of good, we're thumbs up for it. Alan and I are thumbs up for making improvements in America. And the third thing I was thinking of is the one I just said, that rights come from God, not from men. And that is why I use those three this week when I was boiling it down, right, to think through how am I going to make a choice for candidates that I want to vote for and and the values I want to lead my children to like and and to admire and to and to preserve and to defend. This will defend is one of my favorite T-shirts. This will defend. Mm. You know, I think it, the thing that right now, as I think about the election and I think about who I'm going to vote, I know who I. You know, obviously, I've already said and, but. I just feel like it, it's, it's whether it be this election, the next election, any election, I just want to see more people start to better understand why our country was founded and what those principles were, you know, and actually, if you want to disagree, that's great. That's okay but with me. You know what? 
Study and know why. You know, learn. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was I took a class in college with a very liberal professor, and we read Karl Marx, we read John Locke, we read different people. And, you know, I obviously had some opinions before I took that class, but after taking that class, I fully understood why people believe what they believe. Even Marx. I better understood Karl Marx, you know, and... And I Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, if you didn't know, the, the idea that propelled the Soviet Union into being. The Soviet Union uh, murdered tens of millions of its citizens. It propelled uh, Chairman Mao's China the, 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 uh, into existence, and they murdered uh, 80 million people in New York City at, uh, outside of one of the theaters. They have a big wall. It talks about the 100 million people killed by communism. Oh, the ideas matter. That's the idea. Now, killed by Marxism. Killed by Marxism. Marxism. Because that's what, when you look at an organization and they claim to be Marxist, you need to better understand communism is one political thought. Marxism is a different way of thinking about communism. He advocated violence. He felt like there would have to be violence. If you want to change the system... You know, and you're going to sit there and say that killing a hundred million people is is acceptable. Well, you know, understand that's Marxism. You know, and if you're okay with that, you know, be honest about it. I mean, okay, you know, that's your opinion. You know, I'm not trying to make light of it. I, I'm being serious. You know, so people we, understand what you believe, understand why you believe it. You know, I am 100% free market capitalist. I know that it's free not market capital means you get to make choices. choices. And, and your individual choices to buy this and buy that and, and go here and open this and open that, your choices are what make the economy happen. Not someone in a back room who decided, hey, uh, my friend's kid needs to run the auto shop, not you. And they install them and, and, and uninstall you. That's what a planned economy looks like. Someone in a room picks, hey, we need more left-handed people to do this and not as many right-handed people. And they pick in a free market economy you pick and really no you decide to try and then customers decide if they like it or not and then you you grow or you don't or you survive or you don't or you adapt or you don't and, and i think you know learning about different ways of thinking uh milton friedman i've yes. used his line many times i'm gonna use it again capitalism is the worst economic system Except for all the others. Except for all the others. It Everything's messy. Right? Everything's People are messy. messy. We're messy. We don't do right because we are not, we are evil at our core. It is God that makes us God good. We don't, only in Christ are we only good. Only in that are we good. We will mess things up. And we need to realize that, you know, having a system, regardless, it's going to be messy, but pick the one that gives people the most opportunity. Yes, yes. You know, not that it's perfect, but it does give the most opportunity. It gives people the chance to go from being poor to being rich. And that doesn't mean that everybody succeeds. You know, you... and My daddy went broke in his 60s, man. <laughs> it's rough. Rough sledding. And, and then, you know, at the same time, though, why do you work 80 hours a week? Because you saw that. You know, and you learn from that. Your dad didn't hide that from you. Your dad was honest. He was a hard worker. Yep. And you saw the pitfalls. And you saw, you know, the opportunities. And, and you know, he shared with you so yep. that you could do better. That's and right. in this country, you can do better. Yes. yes. That's the beauty of America. And for me, 
I'm going to vote for candidates that are going to protect that right, that are more worried about that right, because I know that right in the, the individualism of America gives us all so much opportunity to succeed that we don't have in other countries and that we should never want to give that up and settle for something less just for a little bit of temporary security because that's all it is is temporary security when you say temporary security what do you mean i mean what would be what would temporary security mean what's the context today fill it in the context today is sitting there saying well i'm gonna get free health care you know you know one think about this and this was hard for me because i really this was me, you know, one day I'm sitting there and somebody challenged me and said, you know, we'll go out and finance a $50,000 vehicle, but we wouldn't finance a $50,000 surgery because that would be an undue burden on us. And I thought, you know, they might be right. Maybe we need to stop looking for the healthcare system that everything's free and say, you know, where are we not being realistic? And I understand once again, I've spent the majority, I spent a lot of my life without insurance and I do understand the, the scariness of that. And, and but at the same time, if I sit there and I, it's not free, it's not it free. doesn't work that way. Bernie's lying to you about Sweden. I've done, do the research. It's not free, <laughs> not free. You know, at all. And if you just do a little bit of research, he's completely lying about what it costs. It costs poor people in Sweden pay 60% of their income in taxes. They are the most heavily taxed really? part. Of <laughs> I didn't know that. They pay a higher percentage than anybody else. The poor pay 60% in taxes in Sweden. People need to understand it's not free. You pay for it through taxes. That doesn't, you know, and that's just temporary. That's just you know, you're pawning off something that you should be in charge yourself. That's right. You, you can do a better job of picking your doctor than some, you know, somebody with a spreadsheet in another city that just says, well, let's do this. Let's do it this way. When you get to choose, you know, when, I, when my mom was uh, in charge of the insurance at their business and I remember her calling it hospitalization. And one day she explained it to me. Well, when we go to the doctor, we just pay for it. But if someone gets in a wreck or has a surgery or something, well, then the insurance kicks in. Oh, okay. Because you don't buy insurance for your tires because you know they wear out. I'm going to go to the doctor, right? You don't buy insurances for things that you don't know are coming. You have to save or have a pool of reserves in case some unexpected calamity like a hurricane blows in, right? You don't buy insurance to cut your grass. You buy insurance in case your house gets destroyed. And I think that I love ultimately going back to what I said you know at first I love living in America America. I understand like Paul said you know the flaws of of our past and there's so many but what is beautiful and I I did not actually know this till recently it is our constitution is the longest running constitution ever nothing has and it, it's not... 1776. Constitution was ratified in 1889. Yeah. Or 1789, excuse me. And I do not believe that our founders were so short... We, we totally miss what they understood. We've lost that. We've lost some of the understanding that they understood that they were flawed. They really understood how they flawed did. they were. 
They had a better understanding than I think the average American does today of how flawed and how wrong they were. To think that we have a constitution that if we want to change, we can change, we can change as a people. It. We have. And, we have changed it 20-something times. And the fact is, right now, the fact that we have people that are elected officials that are trying to bypass what is in law because they want to do it their way, that's dictators. That's not a republic. That's living under a tyranny. You know, and I cannot support people that want to just go around the Constitution because they feel like it's wrong. If it's wrong, let's change it. That's the beauty of it. We can change it, but we change it through the system that's there. Not the system where you elect representatives and they pass laws. Uh, now we have this. We do that, and then we have judges, you know, who who uh, are supposed to interpret the law, but some of them have created laws. So some of the more uh, significant victories of uh, people who lean left, right, of the last 40 years have been at the bench because they didn't get it done at the ballot box. Uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, others, you know, that's that's not, you, uh, that's that's harder to have. We, uh, Miss uh, Judge Barrett, Justice Barrett, uh, gave a great, I think, uh, speech about what a justice's role should be. So I really um, grateful that she doesn't want to impose her values on us as Americans, right? That's the political will of the people to elect Congress and Senate and the president and your state governors. And we're right here by the city council and the parish seat of government. We elect those people and they make rules for us. Uh, and if we don't like it, we, we redress our government for petition our government for redress of grievances that we want something different that's freedom that's how it works versus uh the elites telling us that we must do this or that and, or some bureaucracy telling us that we must do this or that uh you know they can't decide bureaucracy we just watched in coronavirus right the world health organization said this and said that and there's this you know because we're you know flawed people we have flaws we have uh, and so the best way to diffuse that it, to eliminate is to diffuse that power among the people, right? The ninth, the tenth amendment of the Constitution says that those rights, not expressly given to the federal government, are reserved to the people and the states, respectively. And that uh, the lack of enumeration of of any uh, powers reserves those powers to the people. And uh, we've got to remember that. You know, we, we talked about how we've forgotten some of the most precious things about our country and our constitution and we want to be agents to describe the freedom story to this generation and beyond so that we can extend this we as a nation right we are these all of us not two guys not one group not one party but we as a country share our joys and, and share our road of improvement with the world with the world i i, I was alan I'll, I'll close this out i was just I keep thinking about this, and maybe it's just a selfish thought on my part, but I, I remember packing up for Laura. We had this giant storm coming, and it, was, it wasn't a small storm. It was going to be big. It's going to be hard. And I just thought, what makes – we're going to need to be really tough. And Alan is a tough man. He's tough. If you don't buy it, man, I mean, uh, he's, he's got a lot of zip, a lot of go. And uh, I really respect that about my friend. But we're going to need to be strong because lots of stuff is going to be broken. We're going to be super discouraged. Alan and I had so many discussions about how hard it was after Rita, just running a business and picking up. And it was just so exhausting. Like, I just, I dreaded that. I just stood at my front of my store. Uh, I have a signboard. I'll put up messages. And I, I just dreaded how much work it was going to be. And I remember us discussing that forever, <laughs> how hard it was. And I just thought, what makes America strong? We're going to need to be strong. What is it? What are the, what are 
a short message that I can put on this signboard that makes America strong. And I, it took me about 20 minutes and I, I put on there that what makes America strong, well, I'll tell you, we trust our God, we help our neighbors, and we love our country, America strong. Election day, keep America strong. Love you, Alan.